I'm Hillary. I'm Emily. And we're the Sirens. Today we're talking about the movie Little Women. We're talking about the 1933 version of the film, which um, stars Catherine Havern and Joan Bennett and a slew of other actors. Um, so Little Women, the movie, is based on Louisa May Alcott's classic Civil War era novel about a family of sisters in Massachusetts who face the perils of growing up. The close-knit family is headed by Marmee, who is mother, who encourages her daughters to act like pilgrims um, and take on the, bond, the burdens of, um, of being good people. Um, and they live next door to um, kindly old Mr. Lawrence and his grandson, Lori. The film and the book follow um, the March sisters from late childhood to early adulthood, um, and our guide to the family is Joe, the second oldest daughter who's headstrong and dreams of being a writer. So that's <laughs> the shortest synopsis maybe of Little Women ever. But um, what trivia do you have about the, the movie? Um, well, a lot of the trivia, it's interesting. It's less sort of smarmy than some of the other ones movies Uh because probably because it's a mostly female cast (laughs) um the interior of the march family's home was modeled on the real orchard house in concord that was louisa may alcott's home so is the outside too because the outside really looked like it looked like it to me but it i didn't find any evidence that that was the case Um, The film's producer had a tough time convincing the studio to produce the film because they believed, as most Hollywood executives believed at the time, that films based on historic novels were not viable, (laughs) particularly ones that centered on women (laughs) during the Civil War. (laughs) And apparently the fact that this movie was so successful is part of the reason the studio took on Gone with the Wind later, when they originally would not have considered it because it was a historic novel about a woman yeah. and it was during civil war times take that studios that's right <laughs> see we're still having this argument today like hey women do buy tickets to go to movies <laughs> and you can make movies about women and it's okay <laughs> it will be fine uh, Catherine Hepburn asked the costume designer to copy one of her dresses that was um, in a picture of her maternal grandmother that uh she had a tintype photograph of. That's cool. So she was wearing a replica of her grandmother's dress, who actually was from that era. Um, So this was the third adaptation of Little Women, Mm -hmm. film adaptation. There are actually two earlier ones that were silent. And then, you know, there's been many since then, and I recently heard they're doing another one. Really? Like a new one that's supposed to be coming out in a couple of years. Um, but this one, I think this one and the 1994 one are the two most popular, like considered the best ones. Mm-hmm. And also, Joan Bennett was pregnant at the time she played Amy. What? Which is crazy <laughs> when you think she's supposed to be playing like a 12-year-old girl. <laughs> oh my God. But she didn't tell anyone uh, when she was cast. She got the part, and then when they were filming, it was, she was like, surprise, I'm pregnant. And then the poor costume designers had to, frankly, try to resize everything. So it wasn't obvious to me at no, all. I didn't see that at all. And she is in a lot of smock-type dresses in the earlier part of the movie, but I assume that was just because 
you know, she was playing a young girl, and that was the kind of dresses they wore. Yeah. So that that is the, the trivia that I have. <laughs> <laughs> um, do you want to talk a little bit about Catherine Hepburn? Yes. You want to talk a lot about Catherine Hepburn? Um, I could talk about <laughs> Catherine Hepburn for hours, but I will try to limit it. She's one of my favorite actresses of all time, and I just love her. Um, so, a little bit of background on her. She was born in 1907 in Connecticut, and her parents were a doctor and a suffragette, and they encouraged her to I would be... like that to be my, <laughs> my vocation. I'm a suffragette. Yes, yes I know, professionally. What a <laughs> Um, they encouraged her to speak her mind and be very outspoken and also to challenge herself physically a lot. So that's mm-hmm. kind of how she got into sports. And all while she was growing up, she was very into sports and um, very tomboyish. Uh, and she was really close with her older brother, who died when she was 14 in an accident, um, accidentally hanged himself and she was traumatized by that. Yeah, and that's a little bit traumatizing. They said for a while that for some years she told people that his birthday was her birthday, which is kind of a weird yeah, lie to weird. come up with. But anyway, she kept her tomboyish way. She went to Bryn Mawr College, uh-huh. which is one of the Seven and Sisters schools on uh, Philadelphia's main line, and that's when she got into acting. And she was primarily a stage actress to begin with. So after Bryn Mawr, she went to Broadway, she did small roles, and then she started moving up and moved into some starring roles. And her first big hit um, made Hollywood get interested in her, and then she moved out there and started making movies. So a bill of divorcement in 1932, when she was opposite John Barrymore, that was like her big breakout role and then she got a contract with studio RKO um she that was in 1932 then she won an academy award for morning glory in 1933 and little women came out the same year so she wasn't really like crazy famous yet when no I mean she was kind of like a up-and-coming star at that point and little women was the most successful picture of its day um but Soon after that movie came out, Catherine Hepburn got a reputation for being difficult to work with, <laughs> and people didn't like that she wasn't playing the Hollywood game. Mm-hmm. Like, she still wore the same boyish clothes, she wore pants, she didn't wear makeup when she wasn't working, and she didn't court reporters and stuff like that, which at that time there was a real PR machine around all of the stars. So mm-hmm. that that was also considered unfavorable by a studio executive. So she went back to theater for a while, but her reputation had taken a hit, and she got panned in theater. <laughs> <laughs> then she went back out to Hollywood, like, maybe I can make this work, and she made a bunch of movies that flopped. And one of them was Bringing Up Baby, which is now, like, a big, you know, classic movie. Yeah. Uh, with Cary Grant, but at the time that was a flop. And um, after that one came out, as the end of a series of bad movies, um, she had a reputation as box office poison. She couldn't get work. So she went back to theater, and she starred in the Philadelphia story on Broadway. And that was a total smash hit. She was really smart, so she bought the movie rights to it right away. 
and then, then she forced the Hollywood executives <laughs> to take her back by saying, if you want to make this into a movie, you have to work with me. Bam. It's because she's the daughter of a suffragette. <laughs> exactly. So she was pretty badass that way, I thought. Um, Philadelphia Story was a huge hit as a movie, and then her career really turned around. And then um, after that, she worked with Spencer Tracy for the first time um, and made a whole series of movies with him. And they had great on-screen chemistry, and there was usually a lot of man versus woman um, tension and, like, gender politics in the movies. And she made 25... Or she made movies with him over a, a span of 25 years. And the last one that she made with him was Guess Who's Coming to Dinner in 1967. And that was right before he died, right? Yeah, he died a couple weeks after they wrapped filming. Oh and then also, the whole time that they were working together, they had a relationship, uh, which was complicated by the fact that he was married. So that's kind of one of the great couple legends of Hollywood is Catherine Hepburn and Spencer Tracy and how they were together, but they couldn't really be together. I'm not going to go into that because there's not enough time. <laughs> um, she continued acting into the mid-90s and died at 96 uh, back in her home in Connecticut. And over the course of her career, she won four Oscars, but she never went to the ceremony to get them. And she's quoted oh, really? as saying, as for me, prizes are nothing. My prize is my work. Aw. Badass. I know. <laughs> Do you want to tell us about Joan Bennett, who plays Amy? Sure. So she, Joan Bennett was born in 1910 in New Jersey, um, and she died um, 80 years later um, in New York from a heart, a heart attack. Um, she appeared in more than 70 movies, um, and the internet says that she's best known for pay- playing um, femme fatales in film noir, which is like the exact opposite of <laughs> Little Women. Um, but her older sisters were actress Constance Bennett, which was a thing I didn't know about, <laughs> um, and actress dancer um, Barbara Bennett. Um, she started on the stage like um, Catherine Hepburn, um, and she started at 18, acting with her father, who was also an actor. Um, that first play ran for 136 performances, and she it wasn't a smash hit, but she received pretty good reviews. Um, by the next year, she had become a movie star um, and had been in both um, silent movies and talkies. Um, she started her film career as a blonde, which was her natural hair color, and played a lot of ingenues like Amy in Little Women. But then in 1938, the director of the film Trade Winds convinced her to go brunette so she dyed her hair um and then like after that film finished she began playing glamorous femme fatales um until a certain point in her life when she started playing mother roles (laughs) so she she had sort of three distinct um uh like points in her career um In 1951, her career was marred by the scandal of her third husband, who is a film producer named Walter Wanger. Um, Her husband shot and injured her agent, um, who evidently survived. But Wanger um, suspected that uh, Joan Bennett was having an affair with with her agent, and she, like, adamantly denied that that happened, but... (laughs) Jeez Louise. Um, (laughs) 
So in the 60s, she, um, she uh, had a lot of success on TV, um, on the show Dark Shadows, um, for which she received an Emmy nomination. Um, and then her last movie role um, came in the movie, uh, which was a, a cult horror film called Suspiria from 1977. I don't, I don't know. I'm not much for horror movies. I just asked my brother. I bet he knows. <laughs> <laughs> um, but she received a Saturn Award nomination. Um, and when she died in 1990... Um, the New York Times wrote in her obituary that she was one of the most underrated actresses of her time. So, got a little jump minute. <laughs> <laughs> See, it it was hard for me to separate how I felt about the actress playing Amy from how I feel about Amy. Yeah. <laughs> so I could, I felt like I wasn't very objective about Joan Bennett. <laughs> I know. I'm like, oh, she's so whiny and. <laughs> Braddy in Stockholm. <laughs> yeah, I would be interested in seeing Joan Bennett in something else. I think this is yeah. the first time I've seen her in something. I've seen Constant ben- Constance Bennett in something. I think she's in the movie Hopper, um, which is another one we could talk about in this. Add it to the list. Right. <laughs> <laughs> um, so I know that you are a big fan of the book Little Women. So what did you think yes. about this movie? Well, I had seen it before, so this is not a completely raw experience of it, but uh, the way I feel about this adaptation is that it is, I like how faithful it is to the book Mm -hmm. in terms of the language, the dialogue, the people use, all of the strange slang, Mm -hmm. and even the sort of the Christian themes and stuff. Mm-hmm. Uh, I feel like a lot of that stuff gets written out in movies today because yeah. it's you know they want it to be more mainstream viable. But um, which I mean, is even though like the U.S. Christian Commission, which wasn't like like strictly like religious, it still played a huge role in making sure that like the you know communications and like relief happened during the Civil War and I like I didn't even occur to me that it would have like, played in any role in the background of um, of Little Women and, and then you know, like the opening shot of you know the Christian Commission and here's Marmy working yeah like, oh right <laughs> <laughs> so I liked that I liked I really liked Catherine Hepburn as Joe a lot mm-hmm. I thought she embodied the character She's well yeah, the way she's sort of tall and gangly and kind of a bit awkward mm-hmm. at times, I thought matched the book really well. So I like this one a lot, but I still, I think I still prefer the 1994 mm-hmm. adaptation a little bit more just as like a fun viewer experience, mm-hmm. but... Um, I still think of, like, I, when I think about Joe, I would think more of a Catherine Hepburn yeah. person. Do you think, I was thinking about this as I was watching the movie, do you think that somebody who hadn't read Little Women would always know what was going on in this version? Because I feel like there were moments where they, like, leaped ahead in the story and, um, and then sort of just, like, hung up with what was happening um, in just a few yeah. lines of dialogue, and which 
you know, was fine for me because I have recently read the book, but um, I wondered if I wondered if that would have worked for someone who hadn't read the book even even recently. That's true. I, I was watching it with my husband, and he has read the book a long time ago, and he was kind of confused at certain points as to what was happening. <laughs> no. um, I felt, I think that they condensed the second half of the book a lot. Yes. Because <laughs> it, it, they really dwelled on the first half of the book, which is more of the sort of cozy, like, home... You know, what you think of with it being, like, winter and yeah. everyone's gathered around the fire and all that kind of stuff. And then the second half went super quickly. Like, yeah. they had, like the last 20 minutes, Amy and Lori get married. Beth dies. <laughs> she meets Professor Bear, falls in love, comes back. And... <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Like, it all happened so fast. And I, I was kind of shocked by it. Um... One complaint I have is that they made both Laurie and Professor Bear, I thought, seem totally unappealing. Like, yeah. both of them were unappealing. And in the book, they're both supposed to be, like, people you would like. Yeah. Right. They, they seem like people that you would, like, be have some, like, brotherly feelings for and then, like, either discover that you um, are in love with them or realize that you like you can't be in love with them because they're your brother basically. yeah <laughs> um I, I I have in my notes OMG I want to be in this family so bad I know. <laughs> I, know. I know so many moments in this version and in the 94 version I just like Marmy is such an like a great character I mean she's such a great character in the books um but you know in this version where she's you know She's so steadfast and so, um, like, unwavering. And then, like, the, the moment that, like, she falls apart is the moment that Beth dies. And you're like, of course that would be the moment that you, I mean, mm -hmm. like, you can handle anything except for the death of your child. That, like, it's such a, um, I don't know, like, I, as a character, I found her very appealing, and I wanted her to be my mom. <laughs> <laughs> oh, she's such a strong person, and yeah. she's got great agency. Like, she's doing so much good. Yeah. I really like that yeah. about her. Um, what did you think of Beth? Because, you know, she's just one of these, like, you know, the trope of the beloved, really good person who dies. Right. <laughs> right. Did she ever falls in love? <laughs> she just dies. She's the sister who has to die. Um, she, she was so mostly what I was interested in is that she seemed like the air, the actress seemed so much older than the character the whole time that she seemed to be. I could see her acting. But it wasn't, like, in a terrible way. Like, mm -hmm. I could see her trying to play this, like, meek, um, young, mild character. Um, but it wasn't off-putting. I mean, Beth is such a funny character. But it's hilarious. <laughs> so funny that she dies. <laughs> yeah, I thought she did a pretty good job. But it, I thought for all of the characters... The actresses were so old to be playing those roles. I, I mean, they're supposed to be 12 to 16 in the opening, and they all looked minimum, like, mid to late 20s. Yeah, yeah. I mean, uh, Joe Bennett is 23 in 
the in or like the, when the movie was released, she was still twenty three, and she's supposed to be like twelve year old. Yeah. <laughs> At least in the 94 version, Kirsten Dunst plays <laughs> Amy, like, 10-year-old Kirsten um, The one of the scenes where I thought it was really striking how much too old they were was when Catherine Hepburn's in her nightgown and Marmy tucks her in. <laughs> and it just seemed weird because I'm sure Catherine Hepburn, I mean, this was 1933, so she, she was, like, mid-20s. It just seemed off. I was weird. like, what are you doing? You're an adult. Yeah. I know. <laughs> As your mom tucking you in. Yeah. Um, what did you think of Laurie in this version? He seemed very, um, I mean, well, first of all, his stage makeup, you could see, like, <laughs> I mean, I'm sure they're all wearing the same amount of stage makeup. It's just weirder, speaking of generals, um, weirder to see a man wearing mascara than a woman wearing, wearing mascara. He was, he always seemed a little leery and a little bit like, like manic. Like he seemed drunk the entire, <laughs> <laughs> every, in every scene, um, which is hard to see. I mean, it was easy to see why when you were, as a young girl, you would be like taken in by that, like as, you know, to have a friend to like go galloping around with, but you know, like of course you wouldn't fall in love with that. No, I, I thought he seemed very foppish. Yeah. Which is not really in the book that yeah. he's that way um and just kind of whiny not yeah. just I don't know he didn't seem I wanted him to be more of like more sort of cultish mm-hmm. just like athletic and like not really knowing his own way yet but but not such a brat. Like, he, he kind of yeah. seemed like a brat to me. Yeah. In a way, like, it seemed more fitting to me in this adaptation that Amy and he ended up together. The two brats get married. Yeah. yeah. Because otherwise, it's just this perfectly nice person marrying a brat. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. Mike also wanted me to say, what is going on with adult Laurie's weird side curl? <laughs> his hair was very strange. I didn't pay any attention to his hair. I was distracted by his mascara. <laughs> or his eyeliner. Um, what did you think of Joe's attic? Wasn't like that the perfect place to write in her like writing yes. smock that she put on so that she wouldn't get her ink on? I, I love that. <laughs> I want an attic like that. I want a writing attic. <laughs> I also love the kittens in it. I mean, I know that's yeah. such a small thing, but I love that they just had a basket of kittens in one scene. <laughs> it's just such a homey setting. Like, yeah. It makes you want to be in in it. Yeah. It was interesting to watch this movie. Having I haven't seen the 94 version in a really long time, but I remember... So I read the or I watched the '94 version like several times from the time it came out, and you know, like I've probably seen it five or six times. And then I read the book for the first time, you know, just a few months ago, um, and then watching this movie. What stood out to me is like the scenes that they that they made sure to include in this version and in the '94 version. Like it is weird to me for some reason that both movies insisted on including this short little scene of Joe crying over her hair being cut. Like, why does that scene have to be included? <laughs> why is that scene so important? That is true that they did it. I mean, I guess they were trying to show that she was vain or selfish yeah. in a way, but it is true of all the, th- especially this 
this adaptation where all, it's very condensed. Yeah, so and, much get, gets condensed, but not the scene that she's crying over her hair being done. <laughs> yeah. I actually felt like Joe's writing got short shrifted a little bit in yeah. this adaptation. You don't really get to follow her on the path to getting published and all the ups and downs and and how she starts out. I mean, there's mentions of it, but it's not emphasized in the way I would have liked it to be. Yeah, it's more really about the love stories than... and the, I mean, the love stories between the sisters and the boys and mm-hmm. then the love among them than it is about, like, any occupations that they have. No, yeah, Amy's painting also totally got Yeah, it gets, like, referred to, but only... You know, not in any real way. Yeah, which is kind of a shame because I'm sure there were not many movies out at this time and they were like, look, girls, you can do something. (laughs) (laughs) You can do something. (laughs) Um, I loved Aunt Marsh. She was probably my favorite character. (laughs) She was just hilarious. Actually, this is another piece of trivia that I didn't include earlier, that the actress who they originally cast to play her died during the filming, so they had to refilm all the scenes with a new actress. Oh my god. I forget the woman's name off the top of my head, but um, I thought she was great. Yeah. She was really fun. Like, the biggest laughs were for her. Yeah. Well, and she she did a nice job, and maybe this is partly the director and partly her, but she did a nice job of seeming like a full character. Like, Mm -hmm. she is so, like, mean and, like, judgmental Mm -hmm. to the girls, but, like, when... You know, when hardship really does come or when there's re- it's really tough, she's, you know, she you know, kisses Amy on her head when, when, <laughs> when Beth dies. And it's like, it's clear that she's, you know, she has a gruff exterior, but like she really does love them. Yeah, that's true. I, I really liked the scene where John Brooke was proposing to Meg <laughs> and Meg resolved. Actually, I thought that's something that was better in this adaptation than the new one, where... Joe and Meg talk about it ahead of time, and Meg, like, resolves, all right, I'm going to tell him no, and it's too young, and I agree with Marmy. <laughs> and then when he comes in, she's telling him no, and then Anne March ruins it. And she was like, no, I'll marry who I want. <laughs> and he overhears the whole thing. I, yeah. I just thought that that was really funny. Well, and it's very true to the book, too. Yeah. I like. I liked that a lot. Um, what did you think about the whole dynamic where Joe was very upset about Meg getting married? Um, I could identify with that a lot. I mean, just since I have two sisters, I remember when my first sister got married, and I I remember feeling, I don't know if it was because I had already seen the 94 version, and she, like, flies off the handle when Meg gets married, but I remember, like, sequestering myself and feeling sad that, like everything was ending and we were it was no longer going to be you know just us girls and um so I mean I could identify with it I could see that especially with them all living at home yeah then and that means that if someone gets married they move out and that is a big change yeah like even more so than today when most people are living on their own and yeah by the time they get married unless I guess if you get married when you're 16 (laughs) Um, I did not like how they made it seem like Laurie proposed on the same day as Meg's wedding. Yeah. That was... uh, Some compression of time. Yeah, (laughs) and when when Joe is clearly upset also, I mean, there's no 
emotional intuition that could tell you this isn't a good time to propose. I don't feel like Lori has any emotional <laughs> intuition. Yeah, he, he, it was easy to be like, yeah, Joe, you're right for turning this person down. Beautiful girl, what a gorgeous creature, beautiful girl. Let me call a preacher, what can I do? But what did you think about the costumes? Costumes? I liked them. I thought they did a good job of being pretty historically accurate, which a lot of movies from that time didn't bother as much with the histor- Like, when they were doing period dramas, they weren't as attentive to the detail. Yeah. Yeah, it was, I liked seeing all the... I mean, the gloves have a have a role in the plot, I guess. Um, but it's neat to see the different kinds of like frocks that they put mm-hmm. on, the work frock and the writing frock and the going to the party frock. And yeah. The, uh, I, I did make a note that I really liked Amy's dress when she came back from Europe yes. with Laurie. The silks, oh my gosh. It was really pretty. I also loved how they played up how awkward Catherine Hepburn was. Um, at the party scene mm-hmm. where her dress was burned because even in the dress it just looked all wrong on her mm-hmm. and like she looks uncomfortable and I, I thought that was great yeah um I also I don't know if this counts as costuming but I did think it was a little like heavy-handed when Professor Bear the first time you see him it is wearing <laughs> a bear rug <laughs> on his head <laughs> I forgot that <laughs> you're like oh he actually is a bear. And he's um, a cuddly bear. I also made a note of how there was no kiss at the end of the movie, and instead, Joe just goes, pat, pat. <laughs> she just pats him. <laughs> and that's the like romantic climax. That's right. That's what happens when you're a tomboy. You don't get the kiss at the end of the movie. <laughs> pat, pat. pat. <laughs> Well, in terms of the Bechdel test, yeah. did you feel that this movie passed? I think it passed immediately. Like, <laughs> just, I, I made myself a note that immediately passes the Bechdel test with the two nurses talking to each other. Marmy and the other one, you know, talking about this guy. I mean, yes, yeah. they're, they're, they're talking about the guy, but they're also talking about the... Um, I mean, they're talking about the guy who's the father who's lost, you know, basically sacrificed all four of his sons to the war, and then talking about her daughters. She's talking about herself in the context of other people, but, you know. And then you go from there immediately to Joe and Aunt March talking to each other. And, like, they're not talking about boys or, like, anybody. They're talking talking about books and, like, well, dusting. (laughs) (laughs) I I also wrote down immediately passes Bechdel test and also immediately establishes female agency. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Which is great. And I also liked how the focus really is on the familial female relationships in this movie, which is refreshing. Yeah. Yeah, it's very refreshing. And I think it, they're strong women, even mm-hmm. if they're like in an era when we typically think about women as being like under a man's thumb. They're still like, you know they're using all the agency that they have to do good work in the world and, like, to take care of each other. And I think that's powerful. Yay. Yay. Go March, sisters. <laughs> in the 
this world there's room for everyone and the good earth is rich and can provide for everyone. The way of life can be free and beautiful. What about the social justice themes? Um, I mean, I think Marmy is like a, like a poster child, post, poster mother for um, social justice work, I think. Yeah, she was great giving her time to help people and contribute to the war effort in a positive way. Yeah. And even that uh, the scene where the girls take their breakfast to the Hummels, I thought was a really nice scene. Yeah. Well, and it's telling that like even when she's being called away immediately to you know you know drop off a hat to go and take care of her husband, she said somebody has to be responsible for the Hummels. Somebody has to go take care of them. Um, you know that she doesn't forget that responsibility. Mm-hmm. Um, she's on top of it. Yeah, Team Army. <laughs> <laughs> I want there to be another movie made that it's just called Marmy, and the whole thing is from her perspective. <laughs> oh, oh. We should we should write that, isn't there? There's a book recently that's from the father's perspective. Oh yeah, March by Geraldine Brooke. Yeah. It won the Pulitzer Prize. Oh really? I haven't read it yet though. I haven't read it either. Maybe I should put it on my. I liked that author a lot, so. Yeah. A recommendation for our <laughs> listeners. <laughs> Sidebar book note. <laughs> um, so what do you think your rating is for this movie? I would give it 4.5 out of 5 stars. Why? Because it's great. <laughs> <laughs> I, j- I love the story. Um, I just like spending time with the family. Um, I really like Katherine Hepburn's portrayal of Joe. The reason I wouldn't give it a full five stars is because of um, the way they skip ahead so much yeah. as the story goes on. Um, and also because I'm not crazy about the way the male characters are portrayed. With the exception of um, Laurie's grandfather, who I thought was pretty good, oh, yeah. the other guys I don't think were developed well enough. So, what would you give it? I would give it a four for those reasons. <laughs> Too much jumping ahead. Too much question of time. <laughs> <laughs> Not enough character development for the male characters. It's the only time I'll ever hear me say that. <laughs> I feel like we need to relish this movie, though, just because I doubt we're going to find another movie that is as feminist. Yeah in anything else that we watch <laughs> for you know it's because it's just trying to think of other ones that'll pass the Bechdel test and or you know have more than one female lead yeah yeah so that's it's our challenge yeah <laughs> we'll see if we can find it another a <laughs> hundred movies from now we'll be like we got one <laughs> it passes passes the Bechdel test um, so, what are we going to watch next? Our next movie is The Thin Man. Just, I, I don't know. We'll have to see if it passes the Bechdel test. I don't know. I, this will be my first time watching it, so I'm very excited. Yeah. Well, until next time, thanks for joining us. <laughs> After all, tomorrow is another day.